Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. This is the program where we talk about issues and events, but specifically through the lens of the Green Party's principles and values of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. This week's episode is open lines. That means we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. So if you are watching us live on the face stream, feel free to drop a comment or question directly in. Executive producer Michael O'Neill will be harvesting those and will feeding them to me. Of course, if you're listening on a podcast, we want to thank you for joining us through that medium and want to remind everyone with a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, although the revolution may not be televised, it can be brought to you over sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis. If this is your first time on this program, either through the podcast or the Facebook live stream, know that you can go to the website, agreenwayforward.org, sign up so you can know about upcoming guests. Uh, we had Chase Iron Eyes of the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation on, on our last show. Uh, and we'll have other guests, uh, and frequently do have other guests. But on this show, we're going to talk about, uh, whatever it is that you want to talk about. Joe writes in immediately to ask, is the ideology of the Green Party in line with capitalism or socialism? From my perspective, Joe, this is an easy question. The answer is socialism. Remember that socialism really simply means the economic or really just means economic democracy or the democratic control of economic decision making. Uh, capitalism means that uh, the the industry uh, are controlled by private hands uh, and that they are organized and run uh, for profit where they exploit both commodities and human labor for profit. That's really the definition of it. So there's no doubt that from my perspective, uh, the, the, the question is the Green Party aligned with capitalism or socialism? The answer is socialism. Now, it is important to recognize that some people have a misunderstanding and think that socialism simply means uh, a level of uh, totalitarianism uh, and unaccountable government control. That's a result of the long simmering McCarthyism and anti-communist scare uh, that the right wing uh, put forward. But if you go to the National Green Party's website, you'll see that we have actually adopted an eco-socialist perspective uh, that talks about a the democratic local control of economic decision making. And I'm very proud uh, of that position and in no way, shape or forward uh, are, am I going to retreat from that personally? Um, Aaron writes in to says, I want to talk about alternatives to Facebook and Twitter because they are censoring people like us. Aaron, I'm with you. And if you've got any suggestions on how to actually create alternatives to social media, uh, please write into the comments. Uh, we would love to know what they are. I am not an expert in this field, uh, but I have looked around and frankly, I haven't been able to find any uh, alternatives that has the level of reach that Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or Snapchat, or any of the other uh, corporate mechanisms have. Jacqueline writes in to ask, is Green Party promoting ranked choice voting nationwide? Great work in Maine. Jacqueline, thank you so much for that. The short answer is absolutely yes. The Green Party has been promoting both ranked choice voting and proportional representation uh, as alternatives to the winner-take-all first past the post uh, election system uh, that was forced 
uh, upon us uh, and has been is in use in virtually uh, all races across the country. Everywhere where there has been advancement on either ranked choice voting or proportional representation in the U.S., you will find Greens in the trenches working hard on it. And in Maine, the Green Party was a central part of that effort. It also is worth pointing out that a large number of other environmental groups, social justice groups, peace groups, uh, and, and other constituencies actually came together, including progressive Democrats, and gives me the opportunity to remind folks that rank-and-file members of the Democratic Party are infinitely more progressive than the corporate leadership uh, of the Democratic Party. In Maine, the leadership of the Maine Democratic Party fought tooth and nail, uh, actually went to court uh, to prevent the adoption of ranked choice voting, and advocates there uh, literally went through a second round of citizens initiative petitioning uh, to put it on the ballot and win a second time. So kudos to the main Green Party, but also to the uh, genuine progressive constituency of organizations that came together to actually win ranked choice voting in Maine. Alan writes in to ask, could the Green Party help to organize an international industrial strategy adopting the 17 global goals of sustainable development for 2030? Alan, um, maybe, and I will confess my ignorance. I am not aware of what the 17 global goals for sustainable development is. I will look it up. Uh, and I just thank you for bringing that to my and our attention. I'll ask executive producer Michael O'Neill if he has any knowledge about the 17 global goals for sustainable development, uh, for 2030. Uh, if so, he can weigh in uh, a little bit later in this program, but at this point, I am ignorant of it, but I promise you I will look into it. Sandy writes in to say, we need a special on beating the social media algorithms, especially for Facebook. Again, Sandy, I'm with you on that. It is very clear that the Facebook algorithms are being used to force people to pay for advertising and marketing on their corporate platform. You know, there was a time when this very program would routinely get 10, 20, 30,000 unique views. Our reach was in the hundreds of thousands. We never paid uh, for any ads. It was what they call organic reach. Uh, now I do know that this program uh, gets typically between five and 7,000 views. We suspect uh, that it's because the algorithms have been changed to make it more difficult, although we don't know. I also know on my personal Facebook page uh, that I tend to see the same people over and over again, and I see that there are some techniques that folks are trying to to utilize uh, to change it. But the problem, Sandy, is that we don't know what those algorithms are, so it's very hard to figure out ways uh, to, to to beat them back. But I definitely agree with you and uh, the the prior commenter, uh, uh, Aaron, who talked about the need for uh, our own alternatives to using social media and failing that. I agree that we need to find other ways to actually use these tools in a more effective way. Lou writes in to say, I'm concerned about election integrity. Here in Detroit, our corrupt city clerks have been running roughshod over elections for decades. Lou, I share that concern. As you and many uh, viewers of uh, Greenway Forward probably know, uh, I 
was the Green Party nominee for president in 2004, where I called for a recount in Ohio and New Mexico and Nevada in that election cycle because of the outrageous uh, anecdotal evidence that that came pouring in uh, for uh, the the number of, quote, glitches uh, in computer systems. Then whenever we looked a little further, we saw that there was a wholesale example uh, of the fact that our elections are are in absolutely atrocious shape and corporations are owning the software. They're owning the vote counting mechanism. Uh, in addition to that, you have partisan uh, office holders who actually administer elections. Uh, it is absolutely outrageous. Uh, I'm very proud of not only the Cabo 4 recount, but Jill Stein's uh, efforts at recounts in both Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin in this election cycle. As many of you probably know, we even have litigation ongoing in both Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, we may, for the first time ever, have an opportunity to have experts actually examine the software code. Uh, so, Lou, we uh, in the Green Party continue to fight for election integrity. It is absolutely clear that uh, we do not have elections that we can trust, uh, and we've got to fight on that front, just as we have to fight the anti-imperialism of foreign policy, just as we have to fight for racial and social justice. The reality is that we are going to have to transform the entire society, social political and economic institutions have got to actually be restructured and how we cast and count our ballots is one of those uh, uh, issues. Uh, Ellen writes in to ask, what's your take on John McCain's passing? Ellen, I thank you for the question. I want to start by saying cancer is a horrific disease. It's a political disease, of course, caused by the amounts of toxins and poisons that industrial society pours in uh, to our air, water, and soil on a continuous basis. Uh, and I would never uh, make light of, make a joke about, or uh, do anything other than offer my condolences to anybody who has lost a loved one or family member to cancer. So I am not going to dance on John McCain's grave. Neither am I going to participate in the sanitization uh, of the political policies of Senator John McCain, uh, who was in effect a corporatist imperialist right-wing ideologue of the worst order. And I actually think it's pretty atrocious uh, that we are seeing a level of, uh, I don't know uh, how to describe it. Uh, sanitization is, is the kindest way. But when a progressive darling Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez writes, quote, John McCain's legacy represents an unparalleled example of human de decency and American service. As an intern, I learned a lot about the power of humanity in government through his deep friendship with Senator Kennedy. He meant so much to so many. Uh, that's from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Twitter feed. Uh, I realize that we have gone into the twilight zone. Uh, this is an effort on her part. Uh, look, again, it is completely appropriate to offer uh, sympathies, uh, to the family of John McCain for his death. I'm not going to celebrate anyone's death. Neither am I going to call John McCain's legacy an unparalleled example of human dignity, decency and American service. 
The reality is that John McCain's uh, voting record is absolutely horrific from his uh, refusal to support Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a national holiday uh, to his longstanding animus uh, to black and brown people. Uh, but most importantly, uh, through his support of the military industrial complex and the U.S. foreign policy of empire, John McCain was a consistent imperialist. And so uh, I think that uh, we actually, because his death and his entire life is being framed around his politics, we should actually talk about his politics. And his politics were reprehensible. His politics were part of the pr- entire problem and the fact that you we are seeing Democratic and Republican Party leadership come together to support and praise him uh, simply because he has died is an example of the problem. So I thank you, Ellen, for that uh, comment or that question. Uh, and repeat, I am not dancing on his grave, uh, and I do offer sympathies to both John McCain's family and everyone who has died from cancer, uh, and at the same time uh, will add my voice to the chorus of progressives who were reminding us about what John McCain's policies were actually like. Austin writes in to say, hi, my name is Austin Bashur, and I'm running for Ohio 75 as a Green. I'm a 21-year-old college student, and I'm ready to fight. I don't want politicians who will die in 20 years or die while in office to ruin the list of our lives. Our future is within our hands. Well, Austin, I say, first of all, thank you for running for office. Thank you for running as a Green. Uh, It's exciting to me anytime that we see young people uh, who are running, and I do want to give a hat tip to the uh, Ohio Greens, you Buckeyes, are running a, a, an impressive slate uh, of candidates, uh, and I'm looking forward uh, to the results. I also will take this opportunity to to not only thank everybody who's running for office, uh, for partisan office, but also to remind you that in most states, in most jurisdictions, Greens can also run in nonpartisan races for school board, for water board, for soil and conservation district, uh, uh, for, uh, in some cases, city council and county supervisor, uh, in California, for example, uh, those are nonpartisan races and those are races where greens can win. In fact, uh, the most recent statistics that I saw, uh, showed that the green party wins about 40% of the nonpartisan races that we enter into, uh, and, uh, that number for re-election of incumbents goes up even higher. So thank you, uh, Austin, uh, for running. Uh, and I want to remind you and everyone else that nonpartisan races are also something that we should be looking into. Eric writes in to ask, why do people think that superdelegates matter? The DNC is a corporation and can legally choose their candidates. Well, you know, Eric, you're right about that. Uh, the, the DNC fraud lawsuit, uh, was really telling to actually show that the Democratic National Committee can actually choose, uh, its own rules and can violate those rules, uh, should they so desire. So the folks who are uh, bending over backwards to applaud the fact that there was a, and I will say a minor change, uh, to the DNC's process uh, for the 2020 presidential election, I, like you, don't really understand why everyone is uh, is lauding this as if it's been some huge systemic change. 
before we even get to what the change is, let's remember the DNC still has the authority and the right to unilaterally decide to change uh, its its mind and not even follow its own rules. That's what the DNC fraud lawsuit already showed. But now let's go even deeper, Eric, and take a look. And what we'll see is all the DNC agreed to do, superdelegates still exist. Superdelegates still have tremendous power in terms of setting policy and platform and uh, calendaring of all events. The one restriction that was made, at least according to the rules that may or may not be followed, is on the first ballot, superdelegates cannot cast a vote. That's it. That's the only substantive change that they made. And the fact that so many folks who uh, are, are, are pursuing a Dem enter strategy are lauding this as if it's some sort of victory, I think it's really, uh, frankly, it, it is it is mind-boggling to me that anybody can call that uh, a victory. The reality is that uh, they still, most states still use winner-take-all instead of proportional representation for allocating delegates. Uh, they still have superdelegates. Uh, uh, they still allow superdelegates tremendous control over that party. And the most important thing from my perspective, Eric, Take a look at what happened just 10 days ago when the Democratic National Committee, with the superdelegates voting, chose to reverse itself and agree to solicit and accept money from fossil fuel corporations. They tried to wrap it in some sort of language around, oh, well, we're a big tent party. But if you really want to see what is actually happening at the Democratic National Committee, And within the corporatist, imperialist, Democratic Party, all you have to do is look at where the money is coming from and the decisions that they make there. (laughs) Anna asks, can the Greens recruit Bernie for 2020? Uh, Well, look, uh, Anna, the short answer is uh, any Green uh, can try to get any individual to seek the Green Party's nomination in 2020. Uh, the, 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 the reality is that Bernie Sanders would have to seek the Green Party's nomination. I have no doubt that there are many Greens that would welcome that and would get very excited about it. I personally would not. Uh, I, I would like to actually see the Green Party uh, seek a person of color, uh, perhaps an indigenous person uh, that actually ha- uh, shares our core values. Uh, but Anna, if you or anybody else wants to try to recruit Bernie uh, to seek the Green Party's nomination, you have every right to do so. The Green Party has a very transparent process. Uh, just go to the website www.gp.org and you can find our presidential candidate uh, campaign support committee uh, and uh, talk with folks there. But at this point, Bernie Sanders or any other individual, uh, whether it was Cornell West uh, or uh, Chase Iron Eyes or Jill Stein or you uh, would have to actually start to seek the, the nomination. Remember, it's not a question of us recruiting anybody. We have a presidential nominating process and a candidate has to seek our uh, nomination or, uh, and that's how the process works. So Douglas writes in to ask, where does the Green Party stand regarding uh, MMT, our modern monetary theory? The Green Party has an explicit and unambiguous platform uh, position that supports the uh, American Monetary Institute's uh, policy and proposal. There was uh, or is, I think, now uh, an effort to uh, 
uh, to change that and to adopt MMT. Uh, it is my understanding that that failed, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, I, I will look into that or also ask Michael O'Neill uh, if he knows uh, the result of, of that debate or if that uh, vote came up. But at this point, I can tell you that there are some Green Party uh, candidates who are absolutely supporting uh, MMT. Uh, there are other candidates who are supporting uh, the positive money approach of the American Monetary Institute. Uh, from my perspective, I think they both sort of missed the point uh, that unless and until we actually change the economic system uh, known as capitalism, uh, uh, the they can, the, Demo- uh, the democratic control of the money system uh, cannot exist uh, within a capitalist monetary system. So that's my own personal position. Uh, Tim writes in to ask, how do you feel about universal basic income? We can clearly see we are pushing into poverty and controlled by those who are untouchable to their crimes. So Tim, I agree with you. I am a huge supporter of universal basic income. Uh, I think that uh, there is no doubt that we're going to see some version of it. Uh, but again, and from my perspective, I would like to restructure the entire economic system. I actually would like to see us move into an eco-socialist uh, uh, it, uh, economic system uh, where we institute a genuine Green New Deal, as uh, Jill Stein in 2016 articulated, as uh, Green Party governor uh, candidate Howie Hawkins uh, articulates in that state. Uh, and all you have to do is go to e- either Howie Hawkins or Jill Stein's uh, websites and uh, do an Internet search on uh, the Green New Deal and or universal basic income, and that will come up. Pete writes in to wonder what fashion advice you have for Green Party candidates so they look credible for the office they are running in. You know, Pete, I appreciate that question. One thing that has always uh, caused me heartache is when I see greens in Birkenstock sandals and tie dyes uh, at our national conference. That's almost always what the corporate media ends up plastering. I myself uh, uh, always wear a sports coat and a button down shirt when I am going in uh, to public places to represent the Green Party. I do not change one iota my my unambiguous uh radical revolutionary uh, position on issues, but I definitely believe uh, that it's a good idea uh, to dress in such a way that folks cannot easily discount us or marginalize us. And I do wish that more Green Party candidates would actually take that seriously. Halicia uh, writes in to say, we must fight for hand-counted paper ballots. Completely agree with that, Halicia, and I'm happy to say that that's actually the formal position of the National Green Party platform, uh, as well as uh, the position that uh, Jill Stein took, Cynthia McKinney took, I took, Ralph Nader took in 2000. Uh, so it has been a consistent presidential uh, campaign position, as well as the platform position of the National Green Party. James writes in to say, let us now praise famous bigot warmongers. Yeah, again, James, you know, uh, I, uh, I, I appreciate that sentiment. Uh, as I say, I'm certainly not going to dance on anyone's grave. Uh, and I am going to have a, enormous sympathy uh, for the family members uh, who have lost a loved one. However, uh, John McCain was, in fact, a bigoted imperialist. Uh, and his policies and his vote, voting record reflect that. And I will continue to indict that voting record, uh, but I will not engage in any of the glee 
that I have seen from some of uh, the progressive circles uh, about his death. I just don't think that that's uh, 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 a good process. Uh, we are actually uh, uh, are getting a note that we're not sure if the modern monetary theory amendment actually went through. So if anybody who's actually watching uh, has information on that, if you'd share it with us, we would be uh, very grateful. And I do think that it, it's probably time to have another debate on monetary theory uh, on this uh, uh, policy. I think it uh, is an important debate to be had. I can tell you, though, again, from my perspective, uh, I think that MMT and the idea of uh, just being able to print money only works if you're actually the, the capital of empire. That's the reason that I don't think that it's actually uh, the solution that others do. Catherine writes in to ask, thanks for the Q&A session. These are always informative. How do you deal with the heat when wearing a sports coat or blazer? Well, that's a great question, Catherine. I can tell you that uh, uh, if it is really blazing hot on the outside, then I would not recommend a sports coat or a blazer. Uh, but a button-down shirt, uh, actually, uh, especially a cotton uh, button-down shirt, is just as comfortable uh, as a T-shirt. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, linen and uh, there are plenty of fabrics, uh, sports coats that can be worn uh, in the summertime that are usually not oppressively hot. But your point is a, a good one, and that is people should be comfortable uh, and people should be authentic. Again, the, the point that I was making, and I think that Pete was making earlier with his comment, is that as Greens, we are already suffering from so many structural barriers of this two-party system from access, having to fight to even get on the ballot or get into the debates from a horrific uh, voting system that forces people to vote against what they hate rather than for what they want, uh, a, a corporatized campaign finance system that the one thing that we are, one of the things that we can control is how we present ourselves. And I don't think it's a good idea to self-marginalize ourselves by dressing down. I think that we should dress up for the office. Christine writes in to ask, what are the steps to shift away from capitalism to socialism? What a great uh, question, Christine. And I would, and uh, I promise you, Michael and I are going to do a whole program on this very topic. But in a nutshell, I would say this. We have to start creating new institutions that actually meet our needs in a cooperative fashion. That means housing co-ops. That means supporting public banking. That means community-supported agriculture. That means little free pantries. Uh, that means a whole host of existing policies uh, that can be enacted at the local level uh, to begin to shift away. And the other thing, note this, most of these don't even require governmental engagement. I believe the Green Party should get more explicit and clear about, in between elections, creating new organizations that help to facilitate mutual aid and start to create cooperative economic ventures, cooperative housing ventures, cooperative education, cooperative childcare. I think that the way we start to shift is that you create the new society within the shell of the old. As a Green, I obviously involve myself in elections, but I wish that Greens would do cooperative economics in between elections. And I promise we're going to do a whole uh, program on that uh, uh, very soon. Jamie writes in to ask, 
I just want to take a moment to express my gratitude for all our greens in the struggle every day doing the work that needs to be done. You are beautiful. Jamie, thank you so much for that. I often say I wish that the left in general and the Green Party specifically would spend a little more time thanking each other, expressing gratitude and saying, way to go, or at a boy or at a girl, or way to go, you non-binary, non-gender conforming person who we love just as much as we do uh, everyone else. But the fact is showing appreciation, inspiration goes a long way to helping people continue the perspiration of the job. And I really think uh, that uh, the Green Party needs to be doing more of that. And I want to thank you for doing that on this program. And you really bring us to a wonderful place to end this particular program of A Green Way Forward. I want to remind all of you who are watching us on Facebook, whether it's live or watching it uh, later, please share this on your own personal pages and in the other page uh, that you manage so that we can continue to reach out. If you're listening to us on a podcast, please forward this podcast to other people in your contacts so that we can continue to grow our audience. And lastly, each and every one of you, I ask you, please go to the website, agreenwayforward.org and sign up so that we can continue to build the audience for this mechanism. Lastly, thank you to Michael O'Neill, the executive producer of A Green Way Forward, for all the work that you do as an unpaid volunteer to keep this program going. Peace. A Green Way Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.